I don't know why. That doesn't mean that people who don't have a lot of pigeons or babies, whatever you call them here, are any less successful in AA. It's just that that's the way it is. Uh, you don't determine when you sponsor somebody. They determine that. And uh, you just, when you're asked, you're supposed to reach out. But sometimes you get, it's almost like sometimes I go around the country and I hear, it's like the guy with the most spot, with the most pigeons wins or, <laughs> you know, I am, um, I'll tell you my experience, I um, sponsor a lot of people, but a very, lim but a limited number of people. <clears throat> Since I do this a lot, and especially at home, I'm a very high-profile person in my home group. And being in this role often, it's not unexpected that a lot of newcomers would ask me to be their sponsor, because I get the juice. So early on, I decided that I would never sponsor anybody who ever attended one of my beginner's meetings. I did that to protect myself from becoming a super sponsor. I don't have all those question answers. I not have all that energy. I'm not the answer to alcoholism. And plus, part of the recovery process is sharing. If one guy sponsors everybody, how do the other people share? Who do they share with? I think we all get a shot at this. So I reached a number and I just said, that's enough. And I, no matter who asked me now, I say, no, you don't. No, but here's a good person that would help you. Or here's a good person that help you. Because, you know, part of learning AA is teaching AA. And we learn more by the sound of our own voice sometimes than we do listening to someone else. You want to teach? You want to learn? You know how do you learn? You know how to learn? Here's the elements of learning. Be quiet. Listen. Remember what you heard. Practice what you heard and teach it. When you do those things in that order, you come to understand the lesson. And so my opinion is that, uh, and a lot of people, I'm not against somebody having 300 pigeons, but I, I can't do that. Nor would I do that. So that's fine. That's just what I say. A large group of people are going to get up and leave. I want you to know they're not mad at me. They've announced that they have to go. They have a deadline and they have to go. So when they get up and leave, they're just going to get up and leave. The next question. Yes, ma'am. Uh, if you... If you I'm I'm hearing a feedback. Are you hearing a feedback from this microphone? 
Okay, uh, the fellow will take care of it. The question was, <clears throat> if you have to change sponsors, how do you do that? Um, here's how you do that. You talk and communicate with that person. You give that person an opportunity to explain their position. You will be surprised that most sponsors will be pleased to get rid of you. <laughs> and, and they won't be rejected or feel bad, they'll try to act sincere, <laughs> but when they hang up the phone or get home, they'll go, <laughs> we make more of it than what it is. If your sponsor is recovering or recovered, I don't know what the semantics are, and I'm not into that. If your sponsor's doing well, your sponsor understands her role, her role. Your sponsor's a woman, good for you <laughs> and if 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 it's right it's right and if it isn't it is it's not the end of the world this is about God and us not sponsoring me grouping me and, I mean that's important in those elements this is about you being in tune with something that could do for you what you can't do for yourself with the help of others and let's not play sponsor up with God. I mean, I think. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. Uh, I guess I'm an alcoholic that's still in a lot of, uh, I still got a lot of hurt, you know. Um, I guess what I, what I really want to know is, is what is your opinion about help um, outside of AA? Help outside of AA. What I don't, I don't know what you mean. You know the best way to deal with pain. No. Help somebody else. You want to know the best way to deal with what ails us? Quit thinking about what we're going to receive and give it to give something to somebody who's less fortunate than us. This thing works in reverse. You get in proportion to what you give. You don't just, you're not sponges that we steer. One of the most wonderful things about alcoholism is why it grew at such a rapid pace is people were forced to do from the first day in the old days. Here's how it worked. They published a book. It got into a magazine. All of a sudden, everybody started to come. You came on Monday. Tuesday, five more came and there are only four of us. You became a sponsor. You have time to worry about what you needed. Your job was to go make a call on the newcomer. You're three days sober. You were distracted from your wants. And it worked. What happened is, all of a sudden now, we've turned this thing around, and it's like you sit around and you receive. Well, when do you do? It's like, what's the time you get tired of waiting to receive? The old time AA people tell you, get off your ass and start doing something. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm not being cute. I'm not talking down to you. Don't feel that way. I hope you don't. But it's true. The answer is in the doing. 
There are a lot of people that have less than we have going for them, are scared, confused, angry. Do something for them. Worry about how they are instead of how we are. Be a sender, not a receiver. And it'll all go away. The longer we concentrate on depression, we're going to be depressed. The longer we think about our anger, we're going to be angry. Honestly, this thing works in reverse. And if you apply it in reverse, you're going to get the result. You look for God, you're never going to find Him. Just think of how you can help somebody else and God will appear. I really mean that. <coughs> yes, sir. Uh, my name's Wayne. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Wayne. Is it all right to ask about a different subject or question? Right go now? ahead. Uh, I go to a meeting at noon a lot, and there's a guy that comes in here who claims to have five and a half years of sobriety. Every afternoon, he'll talk for 10 to 15 minutes about something that you can't understand what he's saying because his mind's supposed to be like, oh, and he rambles, and it's close to the hour, and he said, uh, do you mind cutting it a little short? And this guy Oh, sure, cut me off. You don't care. You people are hypocrites. And he went nuts and walked out the door. But he was back next afternoon to do the same thing. And then when he walked in, they kind of go, Ooh, him again. And I know you shouldn't think that way. We're here to help people. Where do you draw the line? I don't know. <laughs> He thought he was going to get me. <laughs> yes, ma'am. It'll encourage you to take some steps because you really can't wait to talk. <laughs> I believe in putting my mind in the steps because that's what the step in any meeting that I have not taken. Something wrong with that? It'll encourage you to take some steps because you really can't wait to talk. <laughs> I believe in putting my mind in the steps because that's what the suggested program of recovery from alcoholism. If I just wanted to stick around, I'd turn him to the Elks Club. <laughs> I mean, I want him to get well, not friendly. I see. As soon as your ego is deflated enough to accept the fact that you don't know the way to Oregon. <laughs> this is wonderful. <laughs> I'm losing my voice. Go ahead. Hi, John. Thank you.
I, I don't know, John. John's talking about having a sponsor who's a very good friend. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I um, There's a safety thing, John, about asking somebody who's a good friend. But I don't know if I want a friend for a sponsor. Because a friend may want to be my friend more than he wants to be my sponsor. And he may not say things to me because they may hurt me and he doesn't want to lose my friendship. And I may die because of that hesitancy to hurt me. I want a sponsor who looks me right in the eye and says, you're full of shit. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't mean to be profane, but I, I really do. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't become friends with your sponsor because I think as you grow into sponsorship, you will become friends. And then one day you will think your sponsor's pretty dumb. <laughs> and if you stick around long enough, and he sticks around long enough, he will get smarter again. <laughs> it's kind of like father and son. At first, daddy's the biggest, strongest, most powerful creature you ever saw. And then by the time you're in your teens, he's kind of a pain in the ass, out of step, doesn't understand, and by the time you get a little older, you got wiser again. That's kind of what goes on in sponsorship relationships. I think I see. Yes, only a couple more. Yes, sir. Hi. <coughs> Sir, let me tell you something about alcoholism. His question is, what do you think about a 30-day program as versus Alcoholics Anonymous? And that is a great question. If I could find a 30-day program that could recover, would cause me to recover from alcoholism, I guarantee you I would go to it and I can afford to pay for it. If I could buy my way out of alcoholism, I would. Unfortunately for me, alcoholism continues into sobriety. The recovery from alcoholism continues after I stop drinking or I drink again. There is no cure for alcoholism. You stop doing these things, you will be right back where you were. I don't say that. I don't even want that to be true. All I know is that seems to be what happens. You want a quick fix? There isn't any. You want to learn to be a social drinker? It ain't never going to happen if you're really an alcoholic. No great speaker, no great book, no great treatment center is ever going to fix you. You and I are like race cars. God made two kinds of cars. He made Chevrolets. And they just keep coming off that assembly line. Boom, boom, boom. And the people get in them and they drive forever. Change the gas, change the oil, add some gas, add the oil. Boom, they go forever. Then he made race cars. God, they go fast, but they always got to be tuned up. They always got to have that pit stock because if they don't, they stop running. I'm a race car. I'm never going to be a Chevrolet. 
I'm always going to have to make the pit stop, and I'm always going to have to constantly be adjusted. But when I ride, baby, and when I'm moving, I am moving faster and better than any Chevrolet ever did. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Hi, Patty. Uh, what do you feel is like the proper balance between discussions and speaker meetings, or do you find that either one? No, a meeting's a meeting. It's a place of learning. It's a place that I put myself in an environment in which I'm I can listen and assimilate and get the benefit of others' experiences, and I can do that in open meetings, closed meetings, anywhere. It's what attitude I bring to the meeting that's more important than what happens in the meeting. If I walk into the best meeting in the world with a closed mind or obsessed with my problem of the morning, I don't care who's speaking or what they say, nothing good's going to come out of that meeting. It's how I approach. If I go there willing to be taught, taking the battery off my shoulder, okay, accepting the fact that I need help, be willing to experience the excitement of knowledge. We never stop learning. That's what's so wonderful about this. I'm not the same person I'm going to be five years from now. When I'm 25 years sober, if that ever happens, I'm going to be a newer and hopefully even better friend. That's an exciting prospect. Huh? And to do that, i got to keep learning and Watching my ego, make sure I get out of my own way. Thank you, guys. And I got to keep doing this stuff. That's it. Yes, sir. Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Peter. I would like to know what you think about the relationships within the first year, especially when the partner is a social drinker. The question is, what do I think about relationships during my first year? when the other person is a social drinker. I, I'll tell you, I'll answer this question whether the other person is a social drinker or not. When I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I did not think through my brain. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I don't want to be flippant, and because that's such a serious question, how do you how do you keep from allowing that spouse to impose guilt on you?
honestly believe that I don't know the answer. I honestly believe that if you will do those things, you will know the answer. I think that the one day you will... Now, it's not a cop-out, kid. I'm telling you, there's no fix here. There's no way that those dilemmas get cured here by someone giving us the answer. I know it. Wish, I wish there were. You will stop feeling the guilt when you stop allowing the guilt to be imposed upon you. And I don't know how to stop that. But if you do, there's... Listen, let me tell you. This lady has been the recipient and has accepted the guilt of another person and does so constantly and can hardly stand it. Is there anybody in the back who faced that in their survival? Would you look around? Is there anybody that had to do that? So all I'm suggesting is, all I'm suggesting is these people have gone through that. And they're still here, and so can you. It's not an instant relief. Recovery from alcoholism, change in who we are and how we feel, is not quick as taking a martini. See, one of the captivating things about what we used to do is we could change those things, those feelings and those reactions pretty quickly. Half pint, or whatever, whatever. This is not as quick, but this is much more lasting. I honestly mean that. We're going to quit here at exactly 3 o'clock, or when the last hand, whichever, first occurs. Yes, ma'am. Talking about the lady's question is balance and the difficulty to maintain balance and how do you do it? And I have never learned how to do it. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what. I've learned how to do it better than I used to do it. I don't think anybody, anybody that I know, I'm sure there are people, but I know that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting it, but that's a, everybody wants that answer that's here. And I know we're not looking for perfection. We just want to be better at it. And I tell you, over the long haul, you will get better at it. Because learning how to act like an adult and feel like an adult, well, it's a trial and error thing. It's growing up is tough to do. I mean, it is. When I'm a little kid, I only want to be an older person. Because I know older people got it all together. I mean, they do it over the while when they want it, and they're just happy. When I'm a second grader, I look at the eighth graders, can't wait to be an eighth grader, because I know eighth graders don't feel about anything. They're just total bosses. When I got to be an eighth grader, I look at the second and high school guys, and I wanted to be senior in high school, because they look like they... But you, got, you can't feel like a senior until you're senior. Balance is this. Life is constantly changing, constantly sending us new problems, new dilemmas. It's kind of like a scale. There's a hole in one of them. 
I said this and I thought it was a wonderful thing. For us, it's like a scale. You all see the scale of justice? Well, for alcoholics, it appears that out of some cruel hoax, somebody drilled a hole in one of the scales. Because, no matter where we put it, it seems to... And what we do is we just keep trying to balance the scale. We are our worst critics. We are perfectionists. We're never satisfied with a B plus. We are the type of people who don't come home and scream and enjoy, Nah, I finished 19th. out of 39. We're the type of person, my type, not you, honey, that if I have a day and 20 things happen in that day and 17 of those are good and three are shitty, I had a shitty day. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. I have now, through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and being willing to listen and learn, take the chip off my shoulder and just be part of. I tell you something now, when 17 out of 20 happens, I say to myself, what a nice day. I don't concentrate on negative stuff anymore. I'm tired of negative. I'm tired of negative. I'm tired of losing and I'm tired of being with losers. Now, I'm going to challenge you to do something. Make it. You make it. You beat those odds. Make it together, not as individuals, but as a group. If I lived in this town and you were all from this town, I'd ask you to sign a piece of paper and meet again next year. And I'd ask you to challenge each other to make it. And I'd ask you to call each other to see if you, how you're doing. I'd ask you to be the class of 82 and to be in the annals of recovery and alcoholism the most successful class of newcomers AA's ever seen and that's possible. I had was a part of a class of 81, 82 where 48 people came in and attended the beginners class. It was started at the end of 80 and the beginning of 81, I don't know, 80, 81, 81, 82, I can't keep them straight. 48 people. 47 of them were five years continuously sober and they had their reunion. One was in prison. I've never seen anything like that before in Alcohol Canal, nor have I ever seen it again. They said when they wrote that book, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly done what we have done. That was true in 1939, and it is true today. Unfortunately, this is the other truth. Rarely do we see anybody do those things. Take this thing on. The enemy is you, not alcohol. Alcohol is the symptom of the problem. Look in the mirror. 
you're looking at the problem. You can't fix it. He can. Let him. Thank you very much.